Wow, I uh, did not talk to James, James D, by the way, uh, I did not talk to James about what I was going to uh, teach on today, um, and so it always amazes me when he comes up with a song that it's like, how did you just read my sermon notes and then and, and do this? So we didn't actually sing the chorus, but uh, the song is reckless love and and so the funny thing is so we're in this the final week of our series that's based out of um greg peter's book the monk code of all believers and we we talked about you know having an inner space giving learning how to be mindful and, and prayerful even among a crowd of people we talked about the vow of poverty last week we talked about the vow of chastity and this week uh, we'll finish it up with the vow of obedience. So these are the, the monastic vows, and these vows are intended, when you are entering the religious life, you take these vows. And so as you are leaving behind, now again, let, let me quantify what the religious life is actually considered. The religious life is what those who, who commit themselves only to that, that's what that's called. It doesn't mean we don't live religious lives. All right. The religious life is a specific vocation. So if you're going to go and be, become a monk, whether it's a brother or a sister, or you're going to be a, a, a Franciscan who's you know, all about the poverty side, or if you're going to be a Dominican, you're going to be a traveling preacher, or, or a Benedictine, and you're going to go live within the walls of a monastery, that is called the religious life. And so we have these vows that go along with that, and, and they're great, and you take those vows, and then you... you Renounce the world and you go and you do something else. But there's value in these vows for those of us who are non-monastics. And that's what we've been talking about. So we'll finish it today with the vow of obedience. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about the vow of obedience. Practically speaking, this vow was taken by those entering the religious life. And so when you took the vow of obedience, after you've done, you've vowed um, poverty, you've vowed chastity. Now you're vowing obedience. You are vowing full and complete obedience to be given to the abbot who was in charge of the monastery. Okay? So you enter the monastery and you vow to do what the abbot asks you. There was like an appeal process. If so the abbot asks you to do something that's really difficult, you could say, well, I'm not sure about this. And then the abbot says, no, I believe this is what you need to do. So you have vowed to say, okay, with God's help, I will do this, whatever it is. The abbot was viewed as the direct representative of God within the monastery. Thus, if the abbot gives you, the monk, a command, you vow to obey. When I was in, in um, a class, I, I was it, uh, over the summer, I had a class, and, and in this class, we were asked to watch a video and it's called Integrate Silence. It's long. It's like two and a half hours long. And it is a year-long look at a very austere monastery in the mountains in France. And the monks who are here, this is all, these are all, this is, they're all brothers. So the monks who are here, they, number one, they don't speak. Go a week without uttering a single word. Their rooms have nothing in them, maybe a couple of icons up like a 
a picture or, or, or something of Christ that they can meditate upon. Their lives are very regimented throughout the day, prayer throughout the day, readings, some writing that they do. And at night, they all gather together under candlelight, and they have a mass, and they'll they do these things. But in, in, in certain six sections of this, this movie, Integrate Silence, you see all the brothers gathered, and at the front sits the abbot. And all deference is given to the abbot. And when they eat, the brothers are all sitting around a table, and at a lone table at the front, there's the abbot. They take all direction from the abbot, all reference is given. So to sum it up, the brother or sister has vowed to subordinate his or her will to that of others, specifically the abbot, and to God. Within the religious life, it was the voluntary relinquishing of control over one's life to another. And so now you're wondering, how do we apply that to us, right? I mean, what, is that, what does that look like for non-monastics, for all of us? I mean, we found ways to apply the vow of poverty. We talked about the vow of chastity as well. The vow of poverty says we, we keep our things with an open hand. James has his Bible, and he says, I just got this Bible. This is a great Bible, but if you want it, here. The vow of chastity says, I will take, I will, manip- I will not manipulate. I will not try to exert influence. I will not use power unjustly. Refuse. But obedience, well, wait, 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 I just kind of, well, that's my sense of freedom, right? I mean, you know, settle down, I'm not sure. For the non-monastic, what does it look like to live obediently? Well, we're in church, so let's just talk about church stuff, right? Make sure you have a time of devotion and prayer every day. That's obedient living. Make sure you pray. Wait a minute, now, did you, did you read your Bible this morning? Did you pray? Well, James is like, yes, I did. Well, we know he read Psalm 19, so he's already, he's, he's living obediently, apparently. Uh, did you pray? Uh, I, I forgot. Well, I didn't forget. I actually read my Bible and prayed. I'm obedient, too. We, we, James and I are. But if you didn't, does that mean you're being disobedient? Because you didn't pray or did you read your Bible? Does it mean to live obediently that you attend church as often as possible. And we're going to start keeping a role and keeping track of who's here and who's not, and then we're going to start pointing you out as being disobedient. That's not good. <laughs> That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? I haven't seen you in a while. You're disobedient to God. How about this? Living obediently, doing everything you can to not sin. Oh. Well, that's got to be it, right? Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't laugh at a dirty joke. These are the things we should not be doing. That's got to be living obediently. Is that all there is, though? Obedience. Is that it? Never-ending struggle to live according to a set of commands and rules. Is that obedience? Here's my set of rules. I mean, let's be honest, we like rules, don't we? I mean, (laughs) you ever try to play a game with no rules? No, we demand rules. You can't do that. 
You can't go directly to free parking. You've got to roll the dice and get there. You ever play with somebody who cheated at Monopoly? I have. He's one of my kids. But... <laughs> And I would never name names of my children like Malcolm who would cheat at games. I would just not do things like that. <laughs> and all of his brothers and sisters are like, yeah, that's true, yeah, that's true. No, you can't do that. It's against the rules. Stay in the rules. How about driving? You ever pointed somebody out? But you can't do that. That's illegal. You're not living obediently. Is that all there is to obedience? Is, is if you can just check off all the blocks, being obedient... Being obedient is obedience nothing more than a vast, lifelong effort not to sin. Can you imagine that? But I think we've got that. I mean, I, I grew up in a very fundamentalist, conservative church, and that's the way it was. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And now you're starting to live holy and obedient to God. This is all there is. All we will ever be are dogs chasing their tail in a never-ending circle around and around and around and around and around. Sometimes you just grasp that tail, then it gets away because you're still chasing. But I think it's got to be more than this. Living obediently to God can't just mean do this, don't do that. Don't touch. That can't be it. John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is what Jesus is telling the disciples. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, here we go again. So how do I prove to Jesus that I love him? I gotta keep the rules. I gotta keep the rules. What are exactly the rules that Jesus has given us? Well, look at the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Ooh, okay, I'll try, I'm going to write that down, right? Put that up there on the ball. Turn the other cheek. Ah, you hit me, come back at you. But no, I'm going to learn to touch the other, turn the other cheek. Don't judge others. Well, I would never judge those people. Hear what you just said there? Those people? Yeah, it's kind of judgmental right there. That's a hard one, though. Forgiving others. Oh, you got to forgive others. Okay, put that on my list. Don't be like the religious elite. So what have we just, we just put up this whole long list together again, haven't we? Now i got to live after this. I got to, okay, did I, did I love my enemies today? Yes. Did I forgive? Oh, no, I didn't forgive others. And, and I judged somebody. Ah, oh, I'm going to try again tomorrow. And, oh, this, this. there's a lot of things I have to remember here. If I want to live obediently. So you understand the kind of dilemma that we have with a vow of obedience for a non-monastic. If you're going into the religious life, it's really easy. I just obey the, the abbot. I just obey. The abbot tells me to go sweep the kitchen. I'm going to go sweep the kitchen. Piece of cake. But for us to live obediently, it's much more nebulous. Now, I, uh, Ten Commandments, Sermon on the Mount Commandments, Paul's Commandments, all these rules, and this, I don't know how to live obediently. I keep missing it. I keep failing. But then you ask yourself, Jesus said, let's go back to John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, 
what exactly does that mean? So now we get to my Bible verses. You knew I was going to get to Bible verses, right? You knew I was going to get there. John chapter 13, turn in your Bible if you have a Bible with you, or if you have a tablet or an iPhone, and I can see the warm glow of God's presence on your face from your tablet or phone, as I am today. I'm actually using my iPad today because it's really large print, and it's, until I get something else, this is going to have to be it. John chapter 13, verse 31, and um, let me give you some, um, some background to this. This is following the Last Supper. This is also following where Jesus, like as we talked last week, has just washed the disciples' feet. Judas has just left to betray him. And Judas has just left. And so now we pick up in um, 1331. It says, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this will everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. No, 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 there's not a whole list of stuff here now, is it? Now we're getting really specific. Obedience, you see, for all of us, whether it's monastic or not, religious life, civilian life, call it the secular, call it whatever you want to. Obedience begins and ends with loving one another. That's where it is. This is what, if we're going to examine what the vows actually mean for those of us who are non-monastic, non-religious life people, this is what the vow of obedience looks like for you and I. Love one another. That's the commandment. When Jesus is like, if you, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Okay, well, well, what is it you're telling us? Well, I give you a new commandment. Okay, what is that? Love one another. Here's what's interesting. Go back and look at that again. Just as I have loved you, in the same manner as I have loved you, in the same way that I have loved you, exactly the way that I loved you, you love one another. Ooh. That's the command of Christ. Love one another. Now, one last passage of Scripture. I usually have like five. Today is just two. John chapter 15, verse 9. Listen to this, John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so that you, so that, 
to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Here it is again. You ready? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. Obedient love is self-sacrificial. That's the example that's being here. Now, I, I, we've, we've looked at this, right? And we've, we, we like to preach this at funerals. We, we, we speak this over soldiers willing to lay down their lives, and we're very grateful. But is that all that this means? That you lay down your life for your friends? Laying down your life doesn't only mean being willing to die for someone. Jesus is telling us that when we love others as he has loved us, we subordinate our desires in favor of love for others. Laying down your life for someone doesn't just mean dying for them, though it does mean that. But it also means saying, you before me. As I have loved you, and as the Father has loved me, so you love one another's. So then let's go back to examining what disobedience looks like, okay? Let's think about all the examples of sin throughout all of Scripture. And, and I mean, you want to you talk about sin, start in Genesis and go through, and you're going to see people failing and failing and failing and failing. It's a tour de force of failure, right? I mean, start at the beginning, go all the way through. All of our favorite heroes of the faith, Every last one of them blew it. The meekest man ever to walk the earth. Remember who that was? Moses. The Bible says no one was as meek as Moses. And yet Moses doesn't even get to take the children in the promised land because he fails. He gets angry and sins. He won't listen to God because he saw I stutter, so somebody else has got to speak for me. I'm sorry, I can't do it. He murders somebody. Runs away. But let's go all the way to the back. Adam and Eve in the garden. The story of Adam and Eve. Wonderful story. They fall because, well, they ate the fruit. They were told not to. Why did they eat the fruit? What are you being taught? Self. I want. I want. Me. Cain and Abel. I've talked about Cain and Abel here before. Cain, jealous, I want the favor of God. I'm upset about the favor of God. Why does Cain get it? I'll kill him. And then you've got the descendants of Cain. One of them kills another out of self-defense. Well, if Cain was, was protected by seven times, then I'm protected by seven times seven times because I killed somebody in self-defense. What about our heroes of the faith, Abraham and Isaac? Both of them went into strange lands and had beautiful wives and said what of their wives? These ladies are my sister. Because, you know, I don't want to get married. Take her, it's good. Imagine that, that's what he's saying. Oh, no, no, go ahead and take her, just don't kill me. Self. David, we all know David, right? David doesn't care about Uriah. The husband of Bathsheba. 
he wants Bathsheba. Me. 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 Self. 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 The exaltation of self is the very root of sin and of disobedience. And it goes on and on. The kings of Israel, go back and read them, how they are all wrapped up in themselves. Come into the New Testament. Peter, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. Weren't you with Jesus? Nope. Paul, go into Acts and read about Paul. Hey, I believe we should take John Mark with us on the next missionary journey. That's what Barnabas says. Paul says, he let me down. I don't want him back here again. And Paul and Barnabas were never reconciled again. Go through the list of people. Look at, and then let's look at our own lives. Every time that I have offended someone, it was because I looked at myself and preferred myself. So now, you understand what Christ is saying. As I have loved you, go and love others. Jesus assumes that you're going to love him. He's a, it's a kind of a taken for granted, right? So when he's talking to the disciples, he's like, I, I know you love me. I get that. But what I'm asking you to do is to love one another. Love one another. Great story in Luke chapter 10. There's a lawyer that comes before Jesus. And the lawyer gets up. He's going to kind of test him a little bit. And he says, hey, master, what's, what's the path to eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers, what does the law say? And he says, well, you can sum up the law by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is called the Shema. Then you have the second half, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus points to him and says, do this and you will live. Because you see, it's not just enough to love God. He has loved you fully and completely. And we sang about the reckless love of God. And he's saying, hey, that's half the picture. Do you want to be obedient? Then love one another. Do you want to be obedient? Love one another. If the root of our sin against each other is self-focused, self-centeredness, self-exaltation, then when it comes to sinning against each other, what is the antidote? Love one another. It seems so simple. Oh, i got to remember not to offend. i got to remember not to do this. i got to remember not to do that. How about we just remember to love one another? The modern-day vow of obedience for you and I, who are not in the religious orders, is very simply the being obedient to Christ. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this is my commandment, that you would love one another. For this is to be, as James said, the year of living spaciously. If this is to be the year that we make space in our hearts for God, then it has to begin with the year of loving one another. 
love God, love one another. When you put them together, then we can go places that we never dreamed possible. Sure, we love God, but are we willing to love each other as Christ loves us? So I wore my shirt today. I, I love this shirt. This is one of my favorite shirts. It's actually one of my daughter's favorite shirts, but she loves this shirt. And I love wearing this shirt because it shows so perfectly the words that, that I'm, I'm trying to get across today. Love over hate. Love over indifference. Love over ignorance. Love over ego. Love over fear. Love over barriers. Love over borders. Love over and over and over again. Love one another. This is my command. Do you want to take seriously the vow of obedience? Love one another. That's what this is about. You have been loved so truly and so deeply and so completely by God. Then he says, okay, great. Now go and do likewise. And I would dare say that uh, we, we, when James and I were talking about this, this series, I had a path forward for the, the vows, right? We talked about it and, and how these were going to be addressed. And, and today, the vow of obedience was not supposed to be about this. It's one of those times when you, you send out the email synopsis and, and you know, and, and, and when we were talking about this series in December, I said, okay, this is what the vow of obedience looks like and blah, 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 blah. And, and as I sat down and started praying about it, I guess Thursday, mm, something's, I don't know, Friday, mm, and yesterday, and the longer I would sit with Jesus and we kind of talked about this, and the more I was like, mm, what does obedience really look like? This is what kept coming back to me over and over and over again. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. And, and what really kind of painted in my picture is, is, is everything in our country right now, with the way that the politics are going and the way that the divide is happening right now and the way that, that, that we're trying to shout one another down, I'm trying to get my agenda. No, 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 no. My agenda. We have cable news network over here and a network over here. And both of them have their own agendas and they disagree. And we have people shouting at you and, and, and let's get rid of him. No, no, let's get rid of her. And, and let's get rid of everybody. And in the end, it's always going to be about my way is the better way. My way. If we could just get everybody to agree with me, it's the better path. And yet Jesus calls us and says, love one another as I have loved you. The vow of obedience is probably one of the harder ones, I think. Because it's easy to not try to manipulate people. To give up on that, okay, it's fine. You want my stuff? You take my stuff, it's fine. Vow of poverty, okay. I can live open-handed and give. You want me to live and love self-sacrificially. You mean that's the essence of obedience? 
be just better. Can I just have a set of rules, please? Some laws? Mm -mm. I need you to love each other. 